Welcome to Season 2 of The Thatcher Effect. Today we're going to be capping off the NBA offseason and our thoughts of what the Jazz will look like coming up this next season. Plus, college football is here. Let's talk about the Utah Utes starting game and what we think they'll look like starting forward. The Thatcher Effect starts right now. Five, four, three, two. You're listening to The Thatcher Effect with your hosts Nate Thatcher and Richie Osler. Football's right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. And get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, NJIN or PA only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, guys, season two starts today. We are so excited to be back after summer break. Richie, where have you been this summer? Oh, man, I've been been places... Uh... California, really, and Salt Lake. That's that's kind of been it. Yeah, we've Where we've kind of taken trips all. Yeah, we'll see. I I went to uh, did a little road trip. Went out to. I went through basically every state you can in the Midwest, which I don't know if I'll be back anytime soon. Um, <laughs> went to Tennessee, Florida. It was a good time. I I know we weren't able to have a lot of episodes over the summer just because we've been gone, but now that we've just started school again, we're back on a routine. We'll be able to do these every week. So a lot of you guys have been asking when we're going to start back up. So here you go. Season two starts today. And we've got a lot of information. The sports world has been blowing up. Um, but, of course, we emphasize on the Utah Jazz and the Utah Utes. But we're going to be talking all sports news today. So it's been a little bit since this has kind of died down. But the NBA offseason was, was pretty killer this year. We had a lot of moves around the league in both sides in the East and the West, including a lot of stars. Richie, what stood out to you general sports news from this off season in the NBA? It's kind of funny. Um, I think people are talking about the same two teams that we've been talking about, like the last couple of years, we're talking about the Lakers and the Nets. And I think those are the two teams that people are really interested to see what's going to happen this year. Um, they both made some moves. Uh, the Nets yesterday, just yesterday, signed Paul Millsap, and there's talks of them um, re-signing LaMarcus Aldridge as LaMarcus Aldridge has been cleared to play. Um, with the Lakers, they had their Westbrook signing, and then it seems like they brought in a million guys on the minimum contract, guys that probably shouldn't be on the minimum contract. Um, so I think people are going to really watch closely the Lakers and the Nets. And um, already looking at it, the Lakers are the preseason favorite um, to come out of the West, and the Nets are the preseason favorite to come out of the East. Um, so I think those two teams 
are going to have a lot of chatter. Um, but you really, I feel like there's a lot of contenders this year. I think the Suns will be back at that level that they were at. A healthy Nuggets team could be really good. Um, I think a healthy Jazz team with all of their pieces. And um, I'm really curious to see Hassan Whiteside and what he can contribute to the Jazz from a backup center role, as well as Rudy Gay off the bench. I think the Jazz have upgraded their bench and they've addressed some of their issues. And I know as Jazz fans, we say it a lot, but hey, we might have a real shot this year. Um, and I mean, I feel like there's there's probably like four or five teams in each conference. I'd say with the, with the Western Conference, you got Lakers, um, Clippers when Kawhi comes back, Jazz, Nuggets, Suns. And then Portland's right there, Dallas is right there. Um, and then in the East, you got Brooklyn, you got Miami, Milwaukee, um, I think Philadelphia is a big question mark. We're gonna. It's exciting to see what's going to happen with Ben Simmons because there's been so much talk, and it seems like something's bound to happen. It just we just have no idea when. Um, and then I think the fifth team in in the East is probably Atlanta. And so you look at it across the board, and there's a lot of competitive teams, and I think it's going to be a really fun NBA season. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it's I think it's been interesting these past few years, especially with those two powerhouses you were talking about, the Lakers and the Nets. It just seems like every year they're switching their deep bench rotation just to the extreme. It's like a different Lakers team. Ever since LeBron came, I feel like it's just a completely different Lakers team every year, but they're always stacked. And it doesn't surprise me that even after – you know, the Bucks win the NBA championship. You know, they're not even the front runners anymore. Again, it's it's going to be the Lakers when LeBron's on there, and it's going to be the Nets with a full, healthy starting three, those big three. Um, you were talking about the Jazz. They had a very interesting offseason, I think. Um, obviously, we the Jazz knew that they really couldn't get a ton of star players or do a lot of rotations, basically. I think their biggest concern, especially after that just complete – blow in the second round of the Clippers was really looking at um, guarding the wing. I think having added depth at those like eight, nine and 10 guys um, off the bench. I think the jazz had a really good, maybe first six or seven players that could really contribute. They knew their roles on the team, but it just felt really like in that second round, they were really slipping when it came back to those kind of eight, nine, 10th rotation type guys but it really seems like they've found their groove in what kind of um, face and approach they want to have coming up into this next season. So you talked to, uh, about, you know, all these pickups that we got this, this last year, and some of them surprised me um, just in the terms that, you know, we were hearing, obviously being on Twitter, we heard a lot of different names getting popped around who was going to come, who wasn't going to come. Uh, I think the first move was that Derek Favors trade. And I think, I honestly think that it was a good move. Derek Favors, I, I love the guy. I don't think any Jazz fan has ever hated Derek Favors. He's done everything he's been asked to do with the organization. And in his beginning stint with the Jazz, he was an incredible athlete. I loved um, how he played the game. It just seemed like when he came back this last year, it just wasn't quite the same. Um, he had some sparks again of, you know, who he used to be, but I felt like maybe his peak is kind of already passed and he was kind of on the downslope. Um, so now you replace Derek favors with, uh, Hassan Whiteside and Hassan Whiteside was 
surprisingly or not, I mean, this isn't really that funny, but playing me and Richie play NBA 2K21, big fans, great game. And I remember I bought, I bought the game maybe two or three days before this, before he picked up a song. And I actually added him to my roster. So I got to play around with him for a little bit on the jazz. And I kind of got to see what he's like. Uh, obviously, I don't really pay too much attention to the Kings. I don't know if a ton of people around the league do. Uh, but Hassan Whiteside is, I think, is a really good backup five. Um, I think he he adds that athleticism that we really wanted out of Derek Favors. And he's a really good shot blocker. Um, I think, uh, it, according to uh, Fan Sided, he, he guards um, and gets about like a few, a few blocks a game, just looking really good. And I, I think he's got a lot of athleticism that will really help them move the ball. So I thought that was a really good pickup. Again, I just think they didn't have what they wanted to, but with the resources that they had, I think they did a really good job. Um, Eric Pascal, that one was kind of later. This one interested me because Eric is a childhood friend of Donovan's, which I think was a really good move by the Jazz. And I think they saw a lot of potential because as we know, the Jazz are an organization that really like to develop their players. And I think Eric is one of those guys that they can really help out. Um, Eric Pascal is again, he's, he's also only 24 years old. Uh, he played, uh, with the Warriors. He was averaging about 20 points, uh, per 36 minutes for those guys. And he shot almost about 57% from the field. Um, six, six, He's got, again, he's a great athlete. You look at some of his highlights and his, what he does. I really like what he can add to the jazz. I think what they're really looking for is trying to find, um, that added depth. So when those starting five go off, it's not that big of a drop off. I think we can expect a lot from Jordan Clarkson. Um, not sure about Joe Ingles. I mean, I love the guy, but I, I really want to see what he's going to be like this year. But I think these pickups are really critical to see the jazz are putting all their chips in for this year. Like you said, like this is the year that they want to go. And obviously the Rudy Gay pickup was a really big one as well. Um, on a two year, $12 million contract. He, I think he also can be able to help them um, with their spacing on the floor, I think, especially in the second unit, to be able to help to defend all positions. And I, he's an older guy, right? I think um, the Jazz have were able to pick up some seasoned veterans in the NBA. But I think even with his stint with the Spurs, even this last year, you were able to see how much he can add and show to these young guys. And I think that's what really um, kind of convinced me of what he can do with this Jazz team is – kind of the mentorship and leadership role he took with this Spurs team this last year. Um, do you have any, any final takes before we move on about this jazz offseason? Do you think that this team is a team that can win a championship or how far before the season starts, how far do you think this team can go? Well, I think there are a couple factors um, that are going to be really important to see um, to decide if the jazz are really going to be a contributor and I mean, a competitor, um, with that backup unit, you have Pascal, you have Whiteside, you have Rudy Gay, Joe Ingles, and Clarkson. And so that's a pretty solid backup unit. But you have to kind of look and see how much of Whiteside you're going to be getting. Um, Whiteside is a career stat stuffer. I think that's kind of the narrative around him. He's always had good stats. You look at his stats even from last year, he averages eight points. He averages six rebounds in like 15 minutes a game. So that's like pretty solid. Um, and two years ago when he was in Portland – he was, and Nurkic was injured. He's actually really good. He was super productive. So it's going to be interesting to see if we get um, the white side from last year or the white side from two years ago, where he was a, con a really key contributor to that Portland team. 
and he helped them get into the playoffs. Um, with Eric Pascal, I love that signing. Um, I mean, not that signing, that trade. I thought it was a great trade for a lot of reasons. Um, you keep Donovan happy. I mean, Donovan, he really has two best friends in the NBA. It's Eric Pascal and Royce O'Neal. And so you got two of his guys on his team. And I think that's sweet. Um, Pascal, he's kind of had an interesting role with the Warriors. Uh, two years ago when um, they lost KD, Steph was injured, Clay was injured for a lot of the season, for the entire season. Um, that Warriors team was trying to figure things out, which led Eric Pascal to get a lot of minutes. And he finished first team um, rookie that year and averaged like 15 points. And then the next year, the Warriors are a little bit more competitive. Um, and so I've heard this comparison. Eric Pascal is a lot like Juwan Morgan. The only difference is Eric Pascal has played like 3,000 more NBA minutes. And I think that's pre a pretty fair comparison. Um, Pascal, he's played, he plays really good defense. He's a good rebounder. He's a capable three-point shooter, and he's a capable scorer. Um, and I think, you know, maybe the Jazz already had that guy in um, Juwan Morgan, but you just didn't have the experience. So now you're bringing in an experienced guy who's played a lot of minutes, but he's still relatively young. And it's exciting to see what he can contribute. Rudy Gay, I'm stoked about Rudy Gay. He is a he's a career solid teammate. He hasn't averaged under 10 points a game his entire career. That's 14 seasons. Um, recently, he's improved his three-point shooting. He's um, become more of a – his role in San Antonio was more of a play through him. And um, he didn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time, but he was still – um, super productive for them. And so I think with Rudy Gay, it's honestly such a good signing because he's going to come into the Jazz and he's going to be able to um, be a second facilitator um, and be a honestly be a scorer some nights. And the Jazz really need that. But another, an underrated aspect about Rudy Gay's game is that he's a really good secondary rim protector, which the Jazz haven't had since we rolled the lineup of Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. And that lineup was great, but the difference is Rudy Gay is capable of shooting. So I'm see, I'm sure that the Jazz are going to roll some lineups with Gobert, with Rudy Gay, um, Royce or Bogey, Donovan, um, and Conley. And it's going to be a solid defensive lineup as well as offensive lineup because we're going to be able to space, we're going to be able to play our game, and it's all just going to work. Um, I, I think my big question mark is Whiteside, but I'm not super nervous about it because I also think we have a young stud on the bench in Udoka Azubuiki. And I thought we saw a lot of great stuff from him in Summer League, and I know it's just Summer League. Um, but honestly, he's a monster athlete. They said he was out of shape, but he did not look out of shape. Um, he was looking great. His defensive reads, his blocks um, – his offensive, it just like his offensive rebounding is really good. It's far better than his defensive rebounding, which is a little uh, bit of a concern. But I'm excited for Udoka Azubuiki. I'm sure he's going to get reps. And I also think you're going to have to anticipate on Mike Conley missing some games this year. And you have another stud point guard off the bench, Trent Forrest. And he was one of the best players in summer league. I think that was pretty consensus that Trent Forrest was one of the most experienced Um he looked really comfortable with the ball. He made the right plays almost all of the time. And his three-point shooting wasn't horrible. And that's the big question mark about Trent Forrest. So you look at this Jazz team, 
and it feels like we're deeper than last year. We have the develop, we got the development. We brought in vets. We brought in um, young guys too. And I think this could be an exciting season for jazz fans. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think we definitely have more depth this year and talking about summer league. I think I saw exactly what I wanted to see out of the guys that are actually on our team. Um, as a was, I, that surprises me that you said that. Cause I thought he was a, he looked like a freak athlete in the paint. Um, he's got some incredible bounce and I, I think he can add some, some really good stuff to this jazz team later on. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with Jared Butler. A lot of people are interested to see what he could do, uh, in summer league, but obviously he wasn't going to play. Um, so we'll see how they decide to use him in that rotation if they want to use a little bit more of him or if he's going to be playing more of a, of a bench type role come fall that's going to be an exciting season so stay tuned for what else we've got going with the jazz but man college football is here and that's going to be our main topic of discussion today so for most of all the episodes that we've done it's mostly been jazz and nba talk now now we get to talk some football which is the other half of what we do here College football has gone through a very interesting period. Uh, last year with COVID, um, just a lot of shakeups. It was just a weird schedule going on between all the Power Five conferences. You had uh, G5 teams who were playing out of their heads and trying to you know, get their names put into that college football playoff conversation. Um, most prominently, that being the team down south, BYU, um, having an 11-1 season last year. You come into this season now, everything's back to normal. You have fans back in the stands again, um, normal schedules. But there's still been a little bit of rotation. So a few months ago, Texas and Oklahoma uh, decided to leave their spot in the Big 12 and go to the SEC, which was unanimously accepted by the ADs over there as well. The move won't happen for a few years, but yet it's still very prominent in showing how the the landscape of college football is going to be moving forward. And then today we hear some big news coming from the Big 12 that they're highly considering, and it's most likely that BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston can be the four teams that they will add to their conference, which I think won't necessarily be a Power 5 conference anymore. I would kind of count, of a, count it as like a Power 4, 4.5. They just don't seem to have programs that are as prominent as a lot of others in, in Power 5, but I still think it's a very good conference with these four teams. I think these teams have had seasons in the last decade that have they have proven that they can really stay with the top dogs um, in bowl season, in non-conference scheduling. And obviously, we, us as Utah fans know that, that BYU really wanted, wants to be in a conference. You talk to any BYU fan, and they're just, they're just dying to get into a conference. And I think that this is their best shot in trying to get a really good schedule again, um, a consistently good schedule, and and trying to improve in that category. Because ever since they've gone independent, it's just been a rough stretch where they're playing just the local high school team one week, and then they're playing USC the next. And it's just been up and down. Um, this year, they have a really good schedule coming forward, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I. Kyle Whittingham has said that he thinks that the landscape of college football will start to look like a mini NFL probably within the next 10 to 20 years um, to the point where maybe conferences will dissolve and it turns into kind of like the NFC, AFC. And, you know, you have this granddaddy of the multi-type Super Bowl. You have, you know, it, it'll look like that landscape in the future, which 
I see pros to it and I also see cons to it. I think one of the biggest attractions for me as a college football fan is just the tradition. I, I just love what comes with college football. Um, I think especially in conferences, there's just a, a form of kind of like a, a family type relationship, you know, us being in the Pac-12, back the pack. I, I love seeing Pac-12 teams playing teams from the ACC or the SEC. Um, and it really shows how to represent, I think, West Coast football. Because I think a lot of people don't really watch West Coast football, right? Because they always schedule our games at like 8.30 p.m., Western time. So everyone else is already in bed on the Eastern coast. So no one watches us play. And so I think when we have teams and conferences, it's able to kind of prove like, Hey, we can play football out here and we can play with the top dogs. Again, though, I, I also really like the point that if you don't have necessarily a, a conference with maybe 10 teams or a dozen teams, then that opens up scheduling opportunities and you can have a tough schedule and you get to, you know, play all around the country, which would be very interesting to see. And I think with the new landscape of NIL and players being able to get paid for certain things, it's starting to kind of look that way. And I think Texas and the Texas and Oklahoma move kind of pushed that forward to show, well, yeah, this is kind of the direction we're going in. Because the SEC is basically becoming like, a, I, to put it in an NBA perspective, I feel like the SEC is like this giant Lakers team. That's like, you know what, we're going to grab all these teams that we can that we just want to make this giant powerhouse. So that's why the Pac-12, ACC, and the Big 12 came out with this alliance basically saying, fine, we'll schedule each other because we really need to combat what's going on with the SEC. What do you see what's going on with these conferences? Do you like it? Do you agree with it? What are your thoughts about all these moves in college football? I'll be honest. Um I probably haven't put enough time into it to make a definitive statement of what I think um, or what I, where I think that college football should be going. That being said, I do think that the Alliance is kind of funny because it just seems like it's everybody versus the SEC. And so it feels like there's no um, big like college football family. Rather, it's just everybody against the SEC. And I think that might create some problems in the future. Um, I also think expansion in the Big 12, um, there, there's talks of expansion in the Pac-12 um, and in the ACC as well. I think that kind of talk of expansion um, doesn't seem super likely in the Pac-12 and ACC, but in the Big 12, I think, I think we're for sure going to see, maybe even in the next couple of days, some big news about that. Um, there was rumored invites to BYU, UCF, Cincinnati. Um, and I think, I mean, looking at that conference, it's not a horrible conference. It's, I don't think it's P5, but I, I think it might drop down to, um, might drop down, like kind of like you were saying. Um, but I mean, still looking at that conference, you got BYU, you have um, Kansas, o um, Oklahoma State, Baylor. And I mean, like, I look at that conference, I'm like, well, that's a really good basketball conference. But that's not a great football conference. Um, and I think kind of the talks are if BYU or UCF or any of those teams gets into the Big 12, that it's going to be for all sports. Um, so I think you kind of have to look at it at that with that perspective, that it's not just going to be for football, but it's also going to be for pretty much all other sports. And um, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of headway that's going to be made. I'm sure they're having lots of conversations, but really for college football fans, we love the tradition. 
And I think that's what we love most about it is that it's pretty much the same product every year. Um, you're playing the same opponents, uh, mixing it up a, a little bit, but not a ton. Um, and I think with this changing landscape, it might turn a lot of people off um, from the idea of expansion, from the idea of alliances and stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, they're just trying to make money. And so a lot of the guys that are in charge, a lot of the guys that are doing the alliance, um, you know, did you just have to look at it as they're trying to make money and this is how they're going to do it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Cause I, I just think that the sport has like, like we've just been saying, it's just got a lot of history to it. And I think it's like, there's some cool things that I think have really helped the sport NIL being a huge one. Um, in just the terms that now players can be able to, um, you know, work with companies and not necessarily, they're not getting paid to play, which in my personal opinion, I don't think in college you should be paid to play because, you know, most of the good players are on scholarship. Like you're going to college for free. Um, but I, I, I do think that it's, it could be a little bit sketchy to go a little bit fast on this one. Um, I, I do agree though with our conversations about the, the playoff expanding. I think that is a really good move for all conferences involved right now, especially the Pac-12. Uh, they've been in a little bit of a rough position with not being able to make the playoff that many years since it's beginning in 2014. We've only had two teams go and, you know, we haven't even gotten a championship out of those two teams. Um, so we're going to see how that one plays out. Hopefully that one comes up a little sooner. The Pac-12 also talked about maybe expanding as well, but I just don't see any program right now that can really add value because if you're trying to expand a conference, you need to look at. Are they going to bring in revenue for the conference as a whole? Um, what you have to look at football and men's basketball as the PAC 12 commissioner stated this past month, like those are the two sports that give you the most attraction. They give you the most revenue. And so if those two teams are not doing well, then they can't really add anything. Like you look at the PAC 12, they, their Olympic sports are probably unrivaled in the country. Like, you know, men's, diving or track and field at Oregon, you have swimming at Stanford and Cal, um, just all these different sports that the Pac-12 has so many national championships in so many categories, but it just fails to prove that they are good in football and men's basketball. We just haven't seen that. And I think this last March uh, madness kind of showed a little bit of the Pac-12's talent, but they need to be consistent with it. And that can really prove that this Pac the Pac-12 isn't really a weak conference. I think we just beat up each other a lot because these teams are, are very competitive. You look at, you know, even the SEC has teams that just aren't really able to compete, like, you know, Arkansas or Kentucky in, in football. I, I mean, even in the Pac-12, sure, you have like, you know, the Oregon State and right now the U of A, but especially in basketball, I mean, we were just all beating each other. And then I'm looking at teams in March Madness that even Utah beat that didn't even make it to any postseason tournament. And these teams are going far in March Madness. So I think the Pac-12 is a lot stronger than people make it out to be. But as of right now, I just don't think that there's anyone they can add that would really add to, um, in terms of revenue, what they can add to the conference. But they said they might be open to expansion in the future. I don't know how it's going to work out, especially region-wise, because conferences make sense because it's teams that are basically in the same part of the country. But now you're thinking, especially with this Big 12 news today, the Big 12 is considering BYU that's in the state of Utah and now UCF, like Central Florida, just like two different sides of the country, which is kind of weird to me. But I mean, I guess it's cool because, I mean, who doesn't want to travel to Florida to play a game? 
Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, big news though. Awesome news for Utah fans. Our, our football season started yesterday um, playing Weber state. Richie, I know you were at a concert, but um, hope, hope, I know the concert was good. The game on the other hand, I, I was impressed. I thought I would be a little bit more impressed though. Um, this was a team that I think a lot of us have high expectations for this season. I think including the players and the coaches, they've been saying basically all preseason, you know, this is Rose bowl packed with championship or bust. Yet a lot of play, a few players that were going to be going to that, that could have gone to the NFL draft and, you know, maybe made an NFL roster this year, but they wanted to stay back for that specific reason. And, you know, one of those players was Devin Lloyd, who had an insane game yesterday, just played out of his head, uh, 12 tackles, a few sacks, a diving pick that was just absolutely insane. I think some of the biggest areas of concern for me personally from yesterday um, was even though Utah won by a score that I think a lot of us predicted, they won 40 to 17. Um, there was a lot of uh, red zone inefficiency uh, by the offense that just seemed to kind of take away from the momentum that I think Utah could have had from this opener. Charlie Brewer looked really good. And I think his stats don't really speak for how he played yesterday. Uh, Charlie Brewer was uh, like 12 for 17, 233 yards. Um, he had two touchdowns and a pick. And that pick came from a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Um, at one point, though, I believe it may have been mid-second quarter, end of second quarter. Um, his stats should have been um, like 10 of 11 for three touchdown passes, but there were two wide open touchdown passes that were dropped. Um, but Charlie Brewer put it right on the money. The opening drive, they drive right down the field. It was literally just like a five yard slant into TJ Pledger, just absolutely a walk into the end zone, just drops it. Charlie Brewer throws this amazing over the shoulder throw corner of the end zone, right into his tight ends hands, um, which just goes right through Fotheringham's fingers. And I, again, I, I think Charlie Brewer, is the guy. He looked amazing yesterday. He looks like a leader. He's composed. But those drops really seem to irk me a little bit. I'm glad that BYU wasn't our opener because I would have hated to see that against our rival. And I'm glad that you kind of have these FCS openers to kind of get those, those jitters out and those small mistakes that you can definitely correct. Um, as well as a lot of the, some of the O-line wasn't, our O-line starters weren't even playing yesterday. And so the O-line had a lot of struggles um, in terms of spacing, giving Brewer time, and even creating holes for the running backs. Um, some other thoughts. I, the running back position was interesting because you're going into the season, you have four or five guys who you know are all really good athletes. I mean, our transfer game this offseason was absolutely amazing. Um, I was really looking forward to see what each guy could contribute. And last night, two guys really stood out. It was Makai Bernard and uh, Tavion Thomas, who didn't even come till basically summer of this year. Um, Tavion Thomas, he's a big athlete. He's freaky big. Um, and he's got a lot of speed. He had two touchdowns yesterday. He rushed for over 100 yards. Um, I, I just saw a little bit of carelessness with how he carried the ball yesterday. Uh, he got it stripped from him. Um, so he fumbled it, put it on the ground in the opening drive of the second half. But Makai Bernard just seems to know this offense inside and out. And although he only had maybe 58 rushing yards or so, uh, he had really great runs. And I think as well, Brewer passed to him for like his first like three completions were to Bernard in the backfield. And Bernard was able to get maybe 10 or 15 yards off of those catches. So 
He's a really good back in the backfield for the type of offense that Utah wants to run because he knows it super well, as well as he's able to gain that speed and he's kind of shifty. We didn't really see a lot of TJ Pledger. Um, Chris Curry came in in a few moments, um, but didn't really. we didn't really get to see him a ton. They kind of put him more when they were close to the goal line because I think he's more of that power type back that can just kind of punch it in. In terms of defense, the defense was, was good for the most part. Uh, there was a drive uh, that Weber State went. It was a very impressive drive. Started at the 25. They made it all the way to the one, first and goal. But then the Utah defense was able to shut him down, which is was, which was pretty cool. Um, the linebacking core is amazing. Uh, Nephi Sewell and Devin Lloyd, like I was saying before, are, are two guys that I think can really step up for this team this year. Devin Lloyd, if he keeps playing like this, he's going to be a first first round, maybe second round pick. Uh, come draft time. Um, the secondary uh, had a few struggles. Uh, they had a few passes that were able to get behind him, but for the most part, their coverage was pretty, pretty well received as well as I think the tackling was, was very good. We saw very few missed tackles. Um, special teams was a big blow. So Weber state has probably one of the best returners in the country. And he was able to return a kick hundred yards um, right after Utah gets their opening field goal. And right after that is when Utah goes into an hour and a half weather delay, which as a fan, I'm freaking out because I'm like, are you kidding me? We're ending on the worst play of the game. And now these players are going to have to go back in the locker room. What do you even do during weather delay? You're playing like Rubik's Cube in there. Like you just have to wait around and wait for this rain to go away. And so it's like, you know, your coaches can't hype you up for another hour and a half. But Utah came out and was able to perform well. But the special teams was also a little bit shaky. You had a missed PAT, which is very rare. And... Uh, again, that that blown kickoff coverage. There was just few errors that I think they that can be tweaked. But I think this Utah team has a lot of potential going again going forward through this year. Um, I'm interested to see what happens in the BYU game, but I don't really know how to judge what I want to see until BYU plays Arizona in Vegas tomorrow. So Richie, I I know you haven't watched the game. Maybe you have watched the game. You weren't. You didn't watch it live, but. What are your thoughts on this Utah team, even from you know the preseason and coming into today? Well, I've I've seen enough of the game um, to make a couple definitive statements. I think we have one of the best, if not the best, tight end cores in the entire nation, and I'm really excited about those those two guys, Keithy and um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Kincaid. Kincaid. I think, I, yeah. yeah, I'm stoked about those two guys. I think they're going to be really big contributors. And oftentimes I feel like tight ends can really help you, especially in the red zone, to figure out some of your problems. You know, they're taller um, and generally they just get in the right spots and they're not, um, I don't know, they're not targeted as much by the defense. So I feel like that is going to be really crucial to um, Utah's success. Um, Watching Charlie Brewer's throws, man, he, or yeah, man, he's, he's good. He's so accurate. And I feel like it's something that, Utah's had in the past, but it feels like it's been a while since we've had just like the accurate type of quarterback. Um, I was super impressed by one of his plays where he runs out of the pocket and he's running and he throws it while running. And I feel like that's something we haven't seen since Tyler Huntley. So it's really refreshing to have a guy that can make plays out of the pocket. You know, he doesn't need that O-line to be perfect all the time Um, because frankly, that's a problem that Utah has is having a good O-line. I feel like we always have Um, issues with our O-line. I think it's probably our most consistent issue through the years. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that some of our O-line guys couldn't play because looking at all the position position groups, 
I think if there's one group that needs to get their first game jitters out, it's definitely the O-line. Um, and so some of those guys, hopefully they play against BYU and hopefully they're just ready from the start and they won't make some of those errors that um, we've seen in the past. Um, I mean, looking all around the board, I feel like our offense is really solid. I was super impressed with Tavian Thomas. The guy, I mean, he had 12 carries last night for 107 yards, averaging 8.9 yards per carry um, with two touchdowns. His longest was 20 yards. I think Tavian Thomas is probably that guy going forward. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what he could do with maybe 19 or 20 carries a game and where he could take us. Um, watching him, he reminds me a lot of Devontae Booker. And I feel like, you know, looking at looking at Utah running backs, we're always wanting to look at the past because we've had such good running backs. Um, but Devontae Booker is kind of the guy that stood out to me just because of Tavian Thomas's strength as well as his speed. And I think for that reason, Tavian Thomas is going to be super successful. Um, I hope he becomes the number one guy. Um, but that being said, I like that that position is competitive. I like that Micah Bernard is also super also had really good runs. Um, I mean, he only had six carries for 35 yards, but um, that's exactly what you need out of maybe your second string running back. Um, and maybe he's going to be that guy that can make plays when Tavian Thomas can't sit, figure out how to make plays. Um, I always feel like depth is so important in college football. And looking at this Utah team, we're deep in pretty much every position. Um, our wide receiver core, I'm a little bit concerned about them, but at the same time, I trust some of those guys a lot. Um, Covey's, I mean, how, how many years has Covey been here? We all love Covey. We know what he's going to give us. Um, Ennis, I was really stoked about Ennis, and I'm glad he decided to stick around because I think he's going to be that number one wide receiver. And he had a pretty decent night last night, and I think he's just going to get better as the season goes on. Um, I didn't wasn't able to watch a lot from the defense, but I feel like as Utah fans, we know what to expect from the defense. Um, I also just think first games in general, you don't put all your cards out on the table, especially against a team like Weber State. So I think that this Utah team, um, we definitely have not seen the peak. And I hope we don't see the peak for until Pac-12 play starts. I hope we can just cruise through these next two games against BYU and San Diego State. And then I hope Pac-12 play starts and um, this team just looks even better and better. Um, but all in all, you know, I'm, I'm bummed I missed the game. It sounds like it was an awesome experience from the Ty Jordan tributes to, um, to the touchdowns and to just being back in Utah football, being back in the Rice Eccles Stadium. Um, but I'm really excited to watch this team in, in nine days. Yeah, that's this Holy War is is pretty intriguing. I, I really wish that we could have been able to see two really good Utah and BYU teams face off. I, I honestly don't think we would have won last year. That's a really good BYU team. Even with the week schedule, they had a lot of depth. I love your point, though, about depth in college football, because you look at the consistent powerhouses in the sport, like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, it most likely you have a one or two major injuries throughout the year on one of your key positions, whether that be a, a wide receiver, a cornerback, a running back, a quarterback. And it's usually those teams that are able to consistently step up those guys that are behind the starter and be able to perform their duties. I think back, I don't know what year this was, maybe 2014 or 2015 when Ohio state had to go to its third string quarterback. 
And that third string quarterback won them a national championship. Um, and I, I just think that that's what's so critical in this sport is you just really need to add so many guys to each position. And I think that's what makes this Utah team so different and so likable is that like you were saying with your running back group, like that's such a great problem to have is not knowing who to start because all of these guys are so good. Um, I agree with you. Tavion Thomas is a freaking beast. That guy's like so big and he does run like a Devonte Booker. Um, I, I do think with, with more coaching from Kyle McDonald, that guy can be a really good star for us and he can really help us out. But again, like if someone goes down, think about it, even in the quarterback position, you have Cam rising behind Charlie Brewer, who even in his only two passes looked really good and comfortable in what he was doing. So I feel totally fine. I mean, not totally fine, but if Charlie Brewer were happened to go down, I'd be fine with Cam rising being that quarterback because I still believe that he can help us win games. And I think that just goes to show how good this recruiting has gone for Utah and how bet how much better it's going to be going forward. I mean, you add that brand new end zone in the stadium, all these coaches that now have, you know, pretty well prestigious, incredible careers. I think Utah will be able to get up there with the USC and UCLA Washington type recruiting in the conference to be able to stay up with their and you know, maybe one day get into that playoff conversation. And I think with an expansion, it's very possible for Utah to make the playoff if it expands to eight or 12 teams. This this year is going to be interesting. I, I really hope that if this team stays fully healthy, that they can they can make it far. That again, next Saturday, I think is going to be a, a, a bigger indication of what this team will look like. Again, it, we're playing an FCS opponent as good as Weber State is in their division. It's nothing like FBS football. So you really have to see how is this team going to perform in a hostile environment in Provo um, against a rival who I think, I mean, us two going to this college, um, we, we know what BYU fans really think of Utah and how much they really want to beat them. I mean, you, you listen to a lot of those guys um, that are connected to BYU sports. That's one of their main focuses on this year, including the players. They really want to beat Utah. So you have a lot of these guys who come from out of state. They don't really know this environment. A lot of these transfers don't really know this. They haven't been in a rivalry game yet. And so I think we're just going to be able to see them and how they're going to react in that environment. And that's what's going to really intrigue me. Because come uh, postseason time, whether you want to go to a New Year's Six Bowl or potentially a playoff, those, those environments are way bigger than a Lavelle Edwards Stadium type arena. So I'm very interested to see what this first away game is going to look like. I, I honestly think that with the, de the depth and talent that we have, that we can beat them. But I'm going to be very interested to see what BYU looks like come Saturday. Do you have any hot takes for this year for Utah or any college football team in the country this year? Well, I was about to ask you the same thing. What's your prediction for the BYU game this weekend? This next so weekend? I've been pretty strong um, on, B on BYU for, for a while. But here's the thing. It's because um, I've, been, I've been working at, at BYU TV Sports Nation. So they, I mean, I'm just listening to guys talk BYU football all week. And so it, it's natural for you to hear when you hear more information, you kind of lean more to a certain way. So as I've been learning more about BYU, I'm seeing, okay, you know what? These guys have um, great talent. Um, they've been talking a lot about Jaron Hall, who just won the quarterback job, who I think can be very good for them, but I'm very interested to see what he looks like because he hasn't even finished a full game yet in his career. He started two for BYU and he didn't finish e either of them. Uh, they've got a really good receiving core and their their defense has some a brand new secondary. They've all been here, but they're all brand new starting, which will be interesting to see. 
U of A is a very intriguing program for me right now because you look, they haven't won a game in so long and they're just trying to revitalize that pro. They're trying to bring it back. And I think they had a great hire in Jed Fish, who's coming from the Patriots, has a great career. And I think he hired an amazing staff and he's trying to change the culture down there. Like you look at games at U of A this past year and it just doesn't look exciting. It, I, I just have never been excited to watch U of A play football, but Jedfish is really trying to change that. This is an awesome venue to start off. They're playing in Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, which is brand new. It's freaking awesome. I would love to, you know, see a game in that arena one day. And now you get to play against BYU, who's coming off an 11 and one season. U of A is going to be going with a dual quarterback system, which I don't know if it's ever worked in the history of football, but I'm very interested to see what that's really going to look like. And if, they're just using that to kind of see maybe that's like their true quarterback competition and say, okay, well, who's going to respond better to an actual scrimmage game? I, here's the thing. I've been so strong about BYU, but again, if I look more at U of A, I think these guys are hungry. This is a great, like this would be such a good start for Jed fish. And I think he's really going to emphasize to, you need to start off strong and get this game won. So I think U of A is, I think U of A is hungrier than BYU for this win. I definitely think BYU has more talent and, you know, I think, I think they definitely on paper should win this game, but I think U of A's situation really intrigues me. I'm going to, man, this is, this is hard. I'm going to say BYU by three points. I think it's going to be close, but I think BYU is going to sneak off with a win. What was your prediction for this game? Oh, I have, I have no idea. (laughs) I wanted to hear your takes on it. Um, I mean, looking at this Arizona program, it feels like they're in complete rebuild. And there's a lot of hype around this BYU team. Um, and I, I'm more aware of that now. Um, and I, I think BYU is going to beat them. Um, really, I'm curious to see the outcome of this game because I think it will affect BYU versus Utah. I think if BYU loses this game, then they're going to come out um, really strong against Utah they're going to be really mad. Um, but if they lose, I mean, if they, if they beat Arizona, um, it might be kind of a different situation. You know, they might be a little bit more confident and I don't know. That's why I'm curious about it. Um, overall, I'd probably say BYU takes this game. Um, I hope it's a close game though. I mean, us as Utah fans really hope it's a close game, but yes, I'm very interested to see how this one goes. Um, this weekend in college football is going to be awesome. We have a top five matchup coming in, uh, between Georgia and Clemson. That's going to be awesome. Just a ton of good college football this weekend. So hopefully everyone tunes in. Utah is going to be kicking off against BYU next Saturday, which we're going to have an episode before that game. And we can be able to give our predictions of what's going to go on, which I think we'll have a better understanding. Like you said, of what both teams are really going to look like. Um, but I'm excited. It's, it started, it's here. College football is finally here. And we're excited to get things rolling. Um, So if you guys, really, if you guys have any questions or you guys want us to talk about certain subjects, um, comment on our Instagram page or on our Facebook page and and let us know what you guys think uh, about this upcoming college football season, what you think Utah is going to look like, how the Holy War is going to shape out. We're super excited for the season. And we hope you guys can join us along for the ride. We're so excited for season two. These episodes are going to be coming out more often. Thank you guys for your support. We'll see you next time. Richie and I would like to thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Thatcher Effect. 
If you liked what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to future episodes and invite your friends and family to join us on the ride on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to hear more about our episodes, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Thatcher Effect Podcast. We'd like to thank Money Wizard for the intro music and the Basketball Podcast Network for hosting us. We'll see you next week.